anger the Hulk on the inside. Uh, we're going to talk today about anger, and um, I know it's, uh, it's an issue uh, with everybody all over the planet, all over the world, but uh, with the believers, you're going to have such an eye-opening experience and victory when it comes to this emotion. We've been talking about emotions for this whole month, and we've said some things to, to help all of us when it comes to emotions because we said this when we gave you statistics from great studies that your EQ is greater than your IQ, EQ being your emotional quotient, but uh, because your IQ can maybe give you the job, but your EQ is going to keep you the job. 72% of people lose their job not because of skill, but because of attitude. Say it again, 72% of people lose their job are fired, not because of their skill set, but because of their attitude. So I think emotion's pretty big thing, pretty big deal. The good news is God knew that. He created us with emotions, created us with emotions. So we t I'm going to go down some things that we've already talked about. The number one thing that we said is that you can control your emotions. Most people don't think that they can control their emotions. Uh, God specifically said, and we talked about it in John, how uh, he said that we can control our emotions, and there's grace for us to do that. There's grace for us to control our emotions, but it takes you and me. Our part is to believe that we have grace to control our emotion, and if you do have an issue with any emotions, whether it's depression, whether it's anger, whatever it may be, if you talk to God about that, talk, say, God, man, you know, the pastor's been talking about this. I've been having, I've just been a hothead. You know, David in Psalms, the Bible never does, you know, he lets the bad and the good and the ugly, he just lets, he reports it all. And David, when he would talk to God, he didn't really talk from a heart of love all the time. He would go to God and say, Lord, I've got some enemies. I want them dead. Kill them all and just do this, you know, I mean, just mean and everything. But, uh, and God didn't, you know, squelch that. He listened to David. And he took care of his enemies. But uh, the point is this, that God can handle you coming to him with anything and everything. That's the point, all right? But we need to trust God when we talk to him about anything, problem, emotion, anger. When we do talk to him, we need to trust that it's taken care of. And the way that you know that you're trusting him is that you thank him. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of this anger issue. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of this depression. And then if you lose your cool 15 minutes later, you thank him right over top of that. Amen. And then last week, man, last week, it was a powerful message. It was about supernatural peace that you have. Not the peace that the world knows, but we have a supernatural peace which means it doesn't matter what's going on out here on the inside, you and I can have the peace of God, the peace of God. We talked about that last week. And then we said something about confessing that you have the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You have, so you should, all of the years that you've been, if you've been coming here for more than a year, you should know this, but I'll remind you. You should never say, I'm just an impatient person. 
I just, I'm not really kind person. I just don't have gentleness. I'm just, I, I, you know, there's, I, I've struggled in the area of joy and, you know, self-control. I don't even know what that word means because I have none of that. Well, Galatians 5, and 23 says you have all of those. You have, not going to get. You say, I just need to get more patience. If you, can I just be real honest with you? I've heard Christians say this. I just pray, Father, you give me more patience. I'm telling you, that's, you've been coming to this church for a while, that's why. But anyway, I'm telling you is that if you say that, it's just like yada, 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 because it's vain. God has already given us the fruit of the Spirit. You have, every born-again believer has the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of them. Amen. You have patience on the inside of you. You have kindness on the inside of you. You have gentleness, faithfulness, peace, love, joy. And one thing that you have at last, at least last, is you have self-control. I've got it. Amen. So, and, and that leads into a good story. It's because it's probably not you, but you may have seen this on TV. You know, two people, a husband and wife, arguing with one another. And it gets heated. The vein pops out, the eyebrows, get the angry eyebrows, the forehead wrinkles, and there's just steam coming out of the ears. And, and then I, I, the phone rings. You answer your cell phone, and with all of this expression going on, the phone rings. You go, hello. <laughs> oh, it's so good to talk to you. Oh, I'm so glad. Yes, the church picnic. Oh, yes, I will be there. <laughs> and, it's, and then you hang up, and right after you hang up, the vein pops out, the eyebrows come down, and steam comes out, and then you say, I just can't control this. <laughs> you can't. You just choose not to. But the grace of God, learning this emotional series, we're in control now, aren't we? Amen. According to the American Heritage Dictionary, anger and wrath are both words describing varying degrees of marked displeasure. Though anger is more general term of temporary displeasure with unspecified expression, while wrath is fevered as a fevered anger that seeks vengeance or punishment on the epic scale. So now you know the difference between wrath and anger. But uh, the American Medical Association have made studies, and they've used Columbia University and the Oregon State University. This is not my opinion. This is studies that have been done. Okay. The average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. Women tend to be mad at people while men tend to be mad at things. And then, this is for all the singles. All the single people say, I love you, Pastor. <laughs> singles get mad twice as much as married people. And then, this is the one that is disturbing to me. Home is where most people demonstrate their anger. I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that's kind of sad that home is where most people demonstrate their anger. So in other words, it's our loved ones that we display our anger more than anybody else. The ones that we are precious to us, the ones we care about, the ones we love, that's where we display most of our anger. 
But um, why do people get angry? I'm, I'll list a few, but of course there's many reasons, but these are some of the top reasons. Well, I believe one of the biggest reasons that people express anger is because they have hurt on the inside of them. Condemnation, guilt, and shame, which Jesus has paid the price for all of that forever to be removed from the believer. No Christian should ever feel guilt, condemnation, or shame. Moving right along. But you know, when people get hurt on the end, some tragedy happened. Something unexpected happened. We tend to, you know, well, some people believe this. They believe that God caused that. So people get angry at God. Or uh, they don't understand it, but they just, they bury that, that hurt on the inside of them. And because it's buried in there, it's displayed in anger throughout their life. And everybody just says, man, they're, they're just an angry person. It just seems like anger. Well, you need to pray for them. For this reason is because I believe there's something that has happened in their past that they have not given it to God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says to cast all of your care upon him because he cares for us. So any hurt, anything, you just keep going to God. There's been times in my life, man, I've had to do it a hundred times or more. And one day, not a week. God, man, I just give you this. 30 seconds later, boom. Lord, I just give you this. So I, I, I can help you out so you don't have to do it 100 times. You need to start thanking God that he has it and you don't. This is something I've given to God. So I'm not going to, this is not mine. This is his, all right? Frustration, that causes people to get angry. Insecurity, that's one maybe you didn't know. When people are insecure and they feel maybe dumb or whatever or they said something that maybe seemed dumb and their insecurity can cause them to be angry. I know some people that use anger as being manipulative. They can manipulate the situation because everybody bows down or backs off and somebody gets angry. Well, threaten, that can cause anger. Here's one that you may not have thought of, pride. Pride can cause people to get angry. That's not my opinion. I can prove it in the Word. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, this is a New Living Translation. It says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Pride can cause you to get angry. And it's not because of the other person. It's because of the pride that's on the inside of you. This message today is going to help all of us, including you, not just me. I'm in all of us, which means you. It's going to help us all. It's going to help us all, all right? Because of this, listen to me. You and I will never, ever be able to get rid of all the people who agitate us, of all the circumstances that make us angry, I, you know, people say, you know, just people in Pueblo, they just drive so terrible. They're so rude in that. You know, I, I've driven all over the world. I've driven in Africa, Europe, and, and you know, I don't care. I, I've driven there. People drive bad everywhere. But let's just say, if you could get all the people on the planet to drive great, then we have you to deal with. Okay, that was sarcastic. But my point is, it's not going to happen. 
it's not going to happen. So do we just live in our frustration and our anger or try to move to another city just because they drive better there? <laughs> well, it, it, God has, listen to me, God has set it up to where it doesn't matter what happens out here. It's what you know that's in here that can cause you not to get angry and live at peace and have peace. How many think that's a good thing? Because we, I mean, if I could just fix my spouse, if I could just fix my boss, if I could fix the children, if I could fix everybody, I just want to fix people. Pastor, I'm just a fixer. Well, first of all, you've not, you don't have the authority to fix people. You know, I, I do premarital counseling, you know, and uh, one of the things I say to, to the young couple or to any couple that comes, the last thing that I do for them, I say, okay, I want you to face each other. I want you to look at them into those beautiful, deep eyes. That person that you're looking at, if they never change, if they never change, with the possibility that they never will, you're still going to be madly in love with them because you may have a tendency to think they will get better or I will fix this. <laughs> you're not. You are deceived. But you don't have the authority to fix somebody else. But you do have authority to fix the one that you see in the mirror every morning. Amen. You do have the authority to fix that one. So you can't change circumstances. You can't really change people. But you can change the way that you see yourself and you can be free from any emotional bondage that you've been in all the years of your life. You can know without a shadow of a doubt, I have victory over this. I'm not going to be a victim, but I am going... I am a victor because I'm going to tell you something now. This will help you out. Anytime that you and I believe that we are a victim, you're right where the devil and the enemy wants you. Hallelujah. Yeah, but pastor, you, you just don't understand. I am a victim. If you're a victim, then you're not a victor and you're right where the enemy wants you. But you don't know what they did. But do you know what Jesus has done for you? Do you know, and I'm not trying to belittle what happened to you. Maybe it was horrible, and I'm sure it was. Maybe it's, it's unthinkable what happened to you. But this is the thing. If you consider yourself a victim and people live all of their life with a victim mentality, you will never have victory in your life. And is that what you want? It's not what God destined for you to have. Oh, you're either going to be fruitful and fulfilling or you're going to be struggling and, and, and just striving. Which life do you want? Which life do you want? Well, anger is one of the more difficult emotions uh, to resist. It can be impulsive, and, and it's, it is difficult. I agree. I agree. Anger can cause you and me to do things that we should never do. It can cause us to feel things we should never feel, like vindictive or I got to get revenge. That's not a godly thing. Anger causes us to respond in ways we should not respond. So I'm going to tell you to avoid vain attempts in handling anger. Vain attempts in handling anger. Uh, don't nurse it or suppress it because if you suppress it, you will express it. 
You know, there's been psychologists that say, you know, on one side they say, you should just vent it. How's that helped? And then there's other ones that say, don't ever vent it, just deal with it on the inside. Well, there's a God way to do and deal with this. Don't disperse it. Angry people explode on everybody around them. And then this one, it, it may be shocking. Don't rehearse it. We just have this tenacity when something bad happens and the anger blows up at workplace or, or uh, on the street or whatever. Then we get to the office or we get home and we rehearse it. We tell everybody what happened. And when you're telling them, you get angry all over again. And when you're telling them, it, it, it's almost making an imprint on the inside of you. But it makes your flesh, don't your flesh just feel good after you say, you won't believe what happened at work today. Or you get to work, you will not believe what my husband did. You will not believe what she did. And, you, and it just makes things worse. And so don't rehearse your anger. Same response of first service. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 11. Are you ready? Fools vent their anger. It's not my opinion, but it says fools vent their anger. But the wise quietly hold it back. Research has been done through school teachers who have noticed that students that are depressed, anxious, or angry have trouble learning. Have trouble learning. Powerful negative emotions can paralyze your thinking and it paralyzes your common sense. You see people do crazy things when they get super angry and it's like common sense is thrown out the window. You think, do you see, did you see on YouTube? Did you see that, what happened? That was so stupid. How can anybody do that? Anger causes you to lose your common sense. It's, it, and it's not just in that person. It's just in all people. You lose your common sense when you get really, really angry. Common sense is thrown out the window. Well, but people in a good mood, they are adventurous. They take risks that are they're actually good risk, And they think more outside of the box. The workforce is finding this out. That's why they're getting people to do EQ tests to see how you handle emotions, to see how you deal with emotions. And because they know that people who are not angry, who are not depressed, who are not just worried all the time, they're going to be people that are the better thinkers. Amen. Being in a bad mood just causes you to think negatively causes you to be more fearful being in a bad mood, causes you to be cautious and back up instead of going forward. And listen, if somebody's angry with you, we just have a tendency that we're going to be angry back at them. And it's not. We shouldn't. We don't. Just because somebody's angry with us, you say, well, I have to defend myself. And that is in what? Mike 1-1? Susan chapter 2, verse 14. No, it's, it's no. It's not. 
Jesus, you know, and I've used this illustration that, you know, when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And everybody says, yeah, but that was Jesus. And, of course, we brought that out that in Philippians it says he emptied himself. So he did not have the God power to do this. He did all of this with a man, as a man. But if you don't, can't grasp that, how about Stephen? In the book of Acts, he talks about Stephen was not even a five-fold minister person, what we would call them. He was a waiter on tables. Just your average Christian guy. And he started telling people the good news and all the religious people. Not the heathen, the religious people. You know, and that's what God has more trouble with religious people than he does people who don't believe in him. Amen. But uh, uh, the religious people got all upset at Stephen. So they gnashed their teeth and they were just so angry, angry at him that they picked up stones and started throwing him. And as they were throwing and as he was being murdered, he stood up and the Bible says the heavens opened up before him and he saw the Son of Man standing up. And this is what Stephen said. The same thing that Jesus said, lay this charge not against them, Father. Wow. So the point, and the point is, the point is this, that something could be happening terrible on the outside. People could be angry at you and doing terrible things at them, but you and I have the grace and the ability of God to respond exactly the way that Christ did. Woo, that'll set you free. Most people don't even know that, but. And one other negative thing, if you were raised in a home of anger, maybe your parents, all you saw was yelling and screaming and uh, just a lot of anger displayed. It's easy to have that learned behavior in your life. And you think the way that you communicate with your spouse is open your mouth and scream as, you possibly, as loud as you possibly can. It can be a learned behavior. But I'm here to tell you that there is a, a God who lives on the inside of you who anything in your past has been taken care of 2,000 years ago. You don't need to be set free. You have been set free. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. And this verse goes right along with it as being the opposite. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. You know, when you get into a, an argument with somebody and you use words like, You never, you always. Those are just harsh words that you, when you're in an argument, if you want to cool it down, you can either throw gas on it or you can throw water on it with the simple act of your words. Just a simple act of your words. If somebody's getting angry at you, you know, you just put your hand on their shoulder and go, hey, and just say something soft, soft. You say, but in the heat of the moment, it's just almost impossible to do that if that's what you believe. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, it says, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another since you have put off the old man with his deeds 
you put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Paul says you need to put off the old man. You put on the new man. And I want to make sure that you realize, because a lot of people believe this, that you have two natures on the inside of you, the old nature, and then you have God's nature. That is wrong. Galatians 2.20, and I can prove it. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. The old man was crucified. You do not have an old nature living on the inside of you and me. That's good news. You do not have an old nature. You only have God's nature on the inside of you. So what is the old man? It's the old man that your brain, the way he thinks, and your flesh, the way it likes. That's the old man that he's talking about. You need to put him off. You have to renew your mind according to to the word of God. What does God say about you? What does God think about you? The Bible says he only has good thoughts towards you and me. He is pleased with you today. Every single one of you, he's pleased with you today. He only has good things to say about you today. Man, what a great father. I mean, if if somebody came up to God and said, you know, Mike, what about him? Oh, Mike, oh, he's such a great guy. I'm telling you, let me tell you, he's one of my favorite sons, and he just blah, 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 blah. It's all good stuff. And the same, he will say that about you. He will say that every single person you can bring up, Anybody, and God's going to say good things about you. But pastor, I did something really bad this week. We've already talked about this, that God's not holding any sin against you. He's not even taking record of your sins. That's a good father. I said, that's a good father. He's not keeping a record of any negative thing. He only has records. If all There's books and books of records of you and me, and there's nothing but good stuff in it. Wow. That just slaps religion up. Why? Because people think that we have to do something to get on God's good side. No, Jesus did something so that we're all on God's side because of Jesus. Amen. So how do we... Take off and put on, you know, and I I love this illustration. You know, when you change a baby's diaper, you don't just put a new diaper on the existing dirty diaper until, you know, men, that's not the way to change a diaper. We're good, honey. I got it. I put a, do you put a clean diaper? Put a clean diaper right on his hiney. He's good. He still smells. Well, you got to take off the old so that you can put on the new. And so that's what Paul was talking about. He says the old way of thinking needs to be removed. You need to change your old ways of thinking. Your old ways of thinking. I can never do this. I can, I can never control my temper. I've had this addiction, Pastor, for all of my life. So you're talking about something impossible. And I'm telling you, you're talking about something you don't know. So you can control your emotions. There's grace for you. It takes you and me believing it. You can talk to God about your emotions. You need to trust God to help you. And then if you are trusting God, you need thankfulness needs to be coming out of your mouth. And I'll say this. If you lose your temper in five minutes and you say, thank you, God, that you, you, you're helping me and I have victory over any temper, over any emotion, thank you. And five minutes later, you lose it again. You go, it's just not working. No, 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 no. 
This is where you kick in again. Thank you, Lord, that I have victory over my emotions and that you are greater than any anger in me. I am free. I am free. And you thank him and you thank him and you thank him. What does that mean? You're trusting him. John 15, 5. This is the key point of the message. Are you ready? John 15, 5 says this. I am the sprouting vine. This is Jesus speaking. And you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source. Everybody say, my source. As you live or in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Now listen, if you think that we are separated from God in the sense that we're separated from God, that's not what he's meaning here because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he says, uh, I will not, I will, in the Amplified Version, I will not in any way, shape, form leave you, I will surely not. So he's not talking about God leaving us or we're able to even leave God. What he's talking about in your mental capacity that we leave God as a source when we try to do it ourselves in our own strength. I don't think you got that. When we leave the source of God and rely and depend upon the source and we start struggling and do it in our own self and we say, I need to try, because don't we do this? I need to try harder. If I could just try harder, I, 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 honey, I will. I'll try harder and I'll quit losing my, I'm just going to try harder. I promise you I'm going to try harder. Where's that gotten you? It's your source. If you're relying upon your source, you're, you're separating yourself from the very source that has caused you and me to live in total victory. Man, that's good stuff. I am the vine. In other words, he's the main tree trunk. We're the branches off the tree trunk. Have you ever seen a branch struggling to be a branch? And if you could put some kind of interpretation up to the branch, what, what's the problem? I'm just really trying to be a branch. I look at all the other branches, and they're, they're such a great branch, but I'm just struggling to be a branch. You would get your chainsaw and chop that one off because there's something mentally wrong with that. Why? You, can't, you don't struggle to be a branch. You do not struggle to be a branch. But the church, we're just struggling to be righteous. We're just struggling to have victory. We're just struggling. It's about as funny as the branch. Church people are struggling. Do you realize the branch has the same exact stuff in it that is in the tree trunk? Same exact sap, same exact power flows through the trunk through the very tip of the branch. Everything that flows through the trunk flows through the branch. It's effortless. Ah, oh, if I got your attention. It's effortless. Branches aren't struggling to be branches. When I grow up, I want to be a branch. I just want to be a branch. No, they, they don't. there's no effort in it. Why? They know that they're a branch because they are connected to the trunk that supplies and is their source. Yes. 
My source is not in Mike. Mike's tried so hard. I just got to get, I'm just mowing my, in my strength. Oh, uh, help me to be stronger, Lord. Help me to be able to do this, Lord. Help me to, and I'm telling you, you need to start thanking God that the strength and the source, Philipp, or Ephesians 3, 20, that God's doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is in us. It's in us. Lord, just give us more power. But Lord, just get in, in prayers or, or just... I'm going to say it. Melody said I shouldn't use this word. Stupid. <laughs> She's downstairs. But anyway, uh, it, you're, you're just vain repetitions. They're just things that we say that have no back. There, there's, no, there's not going to be an answer to it. Why? Because he's given us the strength. He's got the same stuff that's in the trunk is in you. And you're, the church is begging for more of it. You can't get more than Jesus. Can, can you get more than Jesus? It was what he did. Listen to me. Is what he did 2,000 years ago not enough for you? It's not enough for religion. We have to do more. It's not enough for religion. We have to do more. But God doesn't look at it that way. He says, my, when he said it's finished, it's finished. Stop the struggling. Start trusting, start believing, start getting a hold of him and saying, I have the victory over anger because, let me just, let's back it up. Does Jesus have an anger problem today? Does Jesus have a depression problem today? Does Jesus have an impatient problem today? Well, we're getting down where we live now. Is Jesus impatient? Do you know he's not impatient? He will never be impatient with you. Wow, wouldn't it be great if every person around us would never be impatient with us? In other words, you mess up, you go, okay, I'm not going to lose my patience over you, even though this is the 421st time, because I have been keeping record. And this is number 421. But we know God's not keeping a record. My point is this, if God is not having an impatient problem, if God is not having an anger problem, and he is in you, the same sap, the same power that's in him flows through us, then you and I, without lying, we can say, I do not have an anger problem because Jesus does not have an anger problem. Jesus conquered anger for me. Jesus conquered depression for me. Jesus conquered any addiction that you can name. He conquered that for me. Jesus is patience, so therefore I am patient. Just, just think about Jesus and everything he is because the Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, so you and him are united as one. You and him are united as one. And I'll back it up even a little further. Is Jesus sick today? Jesus broke and poor today? Oh, we're just getting where the rubber meets the road. My point is this. Your days of saying, I just struggle and, and I'm trying to conquer this, Pastor. You pray for me. <laughs> it sounds so religious. You just pray for me that I can have victory over this anger. I'm, I'm going to say, no, sorry, I can't pray that. 
And as you pick up your jaw off the floor, I said, why would I pray for something that Jesus has already accomplished for you? Why would I pray for that? Now, I may pray for your eyes to be open so that you can see what he did is more powerful than what you're going through. Whoa. What he did is more powerful than what you're going through. And the great thing is he conquered it for you. That's why in Romans 8, 37, it says we are more than conquerors. How can you be more conquered? You get the victory because of what somebody got it for you. That makes you more than a conqueror. He conquered it, and we're more than a conquerors because he conquered it for us. He didn't conquer it. Jesus didn't come to the earth so he could conquer sin. He didn't have a sin issue. He didn't conquer sickness because he was really struggling with sickness in heaven. Jesus wasn't uh, having anger issues or emotional problems. Man, this is so good. I'm preaching myself happy. He is so good that he says, I'm going to come down so that my creation can have the very life of God. They can know that I've conquered it for them. I've conquered sickness and poverty and lack for them. I've conquered every anger issue, emotional issue, any depression issue. I have conquered it for them. So therefore, they are more than a conqueror. And then you and I need to sit down and write down. If you've got a problem, let me tell you today, you write it down and says, I have gotten this beaten and I am more than a conqueror because of what Jesus did for me. I have peace. And listen, if you go out and lose it the next day, you write it twice as many times. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteous, not trying to be. I am the healed of the Lord, not trying to be. I have peace. I have patience, not trying to. I'm, just, I'm not going to try and believe God that I have patience. Don't, try, don't let the devil t- take you down that road. Just keep working harder. Just keep trying harder. And you have patience will eventually get there. And if not, you will receive it in heaven. You're not going to need patience in heaven. You're not going to need healing in heaven. There's no sickness there. You're not going to need, we're walking on streets of gold. You're not going to need money. There's not an ATM machine in heaven. But you do need money here. You do need healing here. And you do need all the patience and the kindness. And the good news is, 2,000 years ago, it was purchased for you and me. This is such a victorious message. You need to realize that the devil's lies and deception of you trying to get victory over your anger, it's done. He's been exposed today. I'm not trying to get victory over anger. I'm not trying to get victory over, you know, that just ticks the devil off when he thinks that, no, 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 wait a minute. I don't think you you understand because you just got angry, so you do need to get victory over this anger. Listen to me. When you were before you knew Jesus, before you knew Jesus and accepted Him as your Savior, all if you could have did good all in one day, the best of any person on the planet, would that have made you good and righteous? No. You need to get a hold of this. After you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We flip it around and say that if I do mess up, then I'm a sinner. No. 
because if you have the same equation, you know, when you're in math, I love math, it, the equal signs means you have to have two equal things. If you're going to think that the good that you could do, the righteous you could do before Jesus didn't make you righteous, then the sin and the bad that you do does not make you a sinner after you receive the righteousness of God. I know some of you got a chicken bone stuck right there. <laughs> Romans teaches us. I am not righteous by what I do. I am righteous because of what he has done. The reason I keep saying that probably about once or twice a month is because people have trouble with that. If the devil can keep you, if the devil can keep you thinking that if I do right, I will be right, then why did you and I need a Savior? Amen. Why did we need a Savior if we could do right? Why would we need a Savior if we could be patient all the time? Why would we need a Savior if we never lost our temper? Why would we need a Savior if we, if we could do all these things? Newsflash to all the religious people, not to the heathens, to the religious people. Newsflash, we can't. But he can and did. That's my point. If you want to live a victorious life, if you want to live victorious over anger, over depression, over any emotion, if you want to live that kind of lifestyle, then you better believe and trust and be thankful that that power is on the inside of you and has nothing to do with your ability to be in self-control, with your ability to struggle and be right. It has everything to do with the power that is in you that has done it all, and you can rely upon that power instead of your own strength. Man, that is so powerful. I guarantee you that simple truth right there will cause you to have more victory over any hot-headedness that you've had, any depression you had, any impatience you've had. This, when you, you, if you have issues in this area, every day, every morning, start writing it out. I have the patience. If you've been the most impatient person, that's why when you say, Pastor, just pray for me to have impatience, I used to just smile. From now on, I'm going to say, no, don't pray like that. Sorry. That's a prayer of doubt and unbelief. I don't pray prayers of doubt and unbelief. I'm going to start just saying stuff. Instead of just stroking people, I'm going to stroke it the other way. People need to be set free. I'm telling you, Rocky Mountain Family Church, the truth will set you free, not to feel good. Not the poor victim mentality. Not the poor, well, I'll pray that you'll have more patience. No, why would I pray for something? That's like me praying for me to have red hair. It's kind of brown now, but it used to be really red. But I mean, I mean, I mean, that would be that. My wife would laugh at me and go, Mike, that's the silliest prayer. Do you know how many silly prayers people are making? Just pray that I'll have more patience. I just pray that I'll be more kind. If you are the most unkind person in all of Pueblo, you could be. But if you turn that around and say, kindness lives on the inside of me, so I believe I'm kind. I believe I'm gentle. 
I believe I am full of the peace of God. I'm full of the joy of God. Get Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and we didn't get to it. I'm going to close. John 15, 7 said that my words need to abide in you. Why does the God's word, why does his word need to abide in us? Because your flesh and your actions would tell you that I, I, this isn't working for me. I'm not doing right. But if you, the word of God, this is why you come to church and hear the good news. Because you need to hear it over and over and over and over and over again. You need to hear good news because if you're going someplace and you're hearing bad news that you just need to try harder. Or you just need to, i tell you what, you, you need to quit doing all these terrible things. Should you quit all those terrible things? Yeah. But if that's your focus, you'll become sin conscious instead of righteous conscious. You need to get a hold of God and say, I am the righteousness of God. I am patient. I am. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to have victory in your life. I give you this funny illustration. It's true. It's kind of like when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. You know when a butterfly floats off and it sees a caterpillar on, on, on the tree branch there and it floats down and, and it lands on it and it tries to be like a caterpillar. If the caterpillar butterfly would have a conversation and the caterpillar would go, what are you doing? You know, trying to nibble on a leaf like it, you know, like it used to when it's a caterpillar. You're, you're, not, you're not one of us. You're different. You've been transformed into a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You've been transformed. Old things passed away, and everything has become new. If you believe that you're a new creature in Christ, a new creature in Christ, then you have to know for a fact that Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, is inside of you, and that's what you are. It's not because of what you do. It's what you are. So John 15, 7 says that the words that I speak unto you and give unto you you need to abide in them. Why? Because everything out here will tell you it's not true. What you feel will tell you it's not true. What you even think will tell you it's not true. That's why I'm Romans. It says you've got to renew your mind. You've got to let the word of God abide in you. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus no matter what is going on. I'm prosperous. By the blood of Jesus, no matter what is going on. What Jesus accomplished for me 2,000 years ago, that's what I'm going to stand on and believe. I'm not trying to get it. Not trying to have faith to get it. Why would I try to have faith for something that has been given to me? <laughs> oh, man, this is so good. It's a lot better than what you all look out there, let me tell you. It's a such a free. Can you say amen? amen? Let's stand. Praise God. Man, this is good stuff. God is helping us to have the victory that he came to give us. Are you hearing me? You're not going to need patience and kindness up in heaven. You're not going to need healing and you're not going to need finances in heaven. He came to give us life, the abundant life. John 10:10. The thief comes to rob, steal, and kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. The Amplified Version says it this way. Life in abundance to it overflows. You know what that means? That's too much life. The reason he gives you too much life is so that the world may know that God is good. That he's good. 
There is no badness in our Heavenly Father. The world thinks that the church is nothing but an organization that stands against everything. But God is raising up the house of God all over the world to make the world know that God, we have a mandate, I believe, from heaven that says that we have to change the way people think about God. That he's not out against you, never has been. He's always been for you. And that he is good all of the time. The world needs to know that. Amen.